everybody, it's the Cannon Cruisers. I'm JD. And I'm Randy, and today uh, we're doing part one of our two-part um, season eight wrap-up mm -hmm. yep. of all our canon films that we watched this year. And plus, longer than that, because this is a long season. Yeah, it's technically two seasons in one, maybe three seasons in one, by accident. Yeah. Because this was the season that never end. The ride would not stop. Yeah. We kept cruising. That canon catalog. We were very close to the end several times, but every time we got close to the end, we found more stuff to put on there. So like, but wait, add more and but, more and more. It's like, but wait, there's more. But wait, there's more. Oh, but there's wait, more. there's more. There's definitely more. And guess what, JD? There's still more that I have sitting in here, except that we said, you know what? We're done. Yeah, we decided to just put a hard line in the sand and say, okay, that's enough. We're going to just You know what? We, re end. we really don't need to watch Link right now. We will at a certain point, <laughs> another point. We really don't need to watch Deja Vu at the moment. No. We're, 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 we're scraping the bottom of the cannon barrel. JD doesn't want to watch uh, Pirates. I don't want to watch Maria's Lovers. We're mm. fine. We're good. We, we covered enough. We even did some rewatches of old stuff just to see what we thought about them now which we'll get to when we get to them including two exceptions to the rules yep. of canon so let's just get straight into the canon movies we covered in season 8 slash 9 slash 10 slash infinity because it never ended so just to give you an idea of when this season started mm -hmm. i should have wrote that down oh it was a long time ago do you want me to start with the non-canon date or with the uh Regular canon date. Well, when you throw in the fact that there's like over 50 movies we covered just in canon, not even throwing in the non-canon movies, it's been over a year. Yeah, we started <laughs> just canon-wise. Mm -hmm. February 6th, 2022. Yes. We are in... It's a year and a half. A year and a half of, <laughs> of it, yeah. So like I said, it's basically like three different seasons in one. So... Let's start with our first episode way back in February of 2022, which is Treasure of the Four Crowns from 1983. Do you even remember this movie? Why, yes, I do. It's an it's an action uh, adventure film, kind of in the vein of an Alan Quartermain or an Indiana yeah. Jones that was trying to bite on into the apple of the 3D era of films. Actually, the late 3D era of films. Yeah, because uh, that was the re-re... What was the revival of 3D? The 3D revival. Yeah, there was this thing in the mid-80s of 3D. Omnivision! Tech, oh, whatever they were called. Even, you know, the, yeah. even like the um, Friday the 13th one, the Jaws one, they all had those, those gimmicks. This movie was no different from that. Though I think uh, the canon guys hired the people from this one because they did another one before this, which was a Western Yep, they did a Western that, from my understanding, is a lot better than this movie. Well, this one's pretty yeah, lap, lap, lopsided. Yeah, it, the first part of the movie is very much just a bunch of, hey, ho, he, ha, ho, as they react to things that are flying at the camera. And then it becomes a heist movie. Yeah. And then they kill some Nazis. And then it becomes a action-adventure film again. Yeah, it's very disjointed. Like, if they would have just kept in, like, very simple, like, the, the whole movie, just him going into the thing, getting something, would have been... Far more interesting, but it was not that, so it was not the most fun movie to watch. Yeah, me and JD did not rate this well. No. Oh boy, did we ever not. No, I don't think my, my opinion would change. However, what might have changed would have been the next movie we covered. The only film you will ever hear the following phrase muttered. Actual, actual 
vampires. Yes. That's right, folks. We rewatched The Apple. And our opinions changed on it all the way back from season one. Yeah. We watched this one first All the way time. back in 2017. Five years ago. Or five years ago, we first watched this movie. And Randy almost walked out because he... Wait a minute. That... that I don't know how to process this. I I got really angry the first time, uh, but by this point, uh, when we watched this way back when, and what's really sad is I'm, as I'm saying this, I realize we probably were watching this at the end of like 2021 before these went up. Probably, uh, yeah. So it's even longer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so probably closer to two years really in this. That... When we were watched the, we, we watched had this. seen so many canon movies that when we came back to this one, it was downright quaint and campy and generally a good time not a good movie but generally a good time the introduction of mr tops is still the most infuriating (laughs) thing about it but the songs are kind of catchy for the most part Mm -hmm. speed yeah Yeah, some good um, stuff in the movie like that it's overall enjoyable it's not exactly the most coherent thing but it is understandable for the good portion of the movie it's just that twist at the end is just kind of like not foreshadowed at all because they cut out a whole part because of the they movie. Cut out a lot of it, yeah. and this marks the first point in the canon world line where things could have changed quite majorly. Because this is the movie that almost made Menachem Golan, mm. who I've apparently been pronouncing his name wrong this entire time, <laughs> um, yeah. almost kill himself after being booed in Montreal, if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, this movie did not go over well with the critics. It was. Mm. Somehow people like Xanadu more than this movie. And it's just like, oh, geez, this movie's not that great. Speaking of movies that didn't go over all that well, the next movie we covered... From 1987, From 1987 was Tough Guys Don't Dance, which is another kind of cult favorite of canon watchers. I mean, you count 17 times in one night. This movie is a trip. It's pure madness and insanity. It's... they, okay, they're trying to retcon and say it was intentionally a comedy. It's not intentionally a comedy. I was about to say that because when I was initially going through this and like writing down genres and stuff like that, they're mm-hmm. like, crime, it's like thriller, crime yeah. thriller, we meant comedy. To, and I'm like, no, you did not meant, mean it to be a comedy. We meant to, no, they didn't. There's you no, were 150% no. uh, doing this as... Uh, yeah, they was just execution-wise, it came off like sideways into really bizarre territory. It had a Ryan O'Neill in it. Yeah. The whole movie is just... It's like a fever dream of a, of a noir movie that shouldn't exist, and yet somehow it does. And it could only have come out when it did at the time it did. And to this day, I'm still not exactly sure how to talk about it, because it's you have to see it yourself. To really okay, so it. so these 20 years later after we watched it, mm-hmm. ha, has your opinion changed of Tough Guys Don't Dance? Do you think about it on a regular basis? Do you... Do you I think do about you... the same way I thought about it before, which is just, I can't believe that was a movie I watched. I just yell out that line at random that I, I made you come 17 times. Well, I just think about a lot of different things from that movie because there's so many bizarre things that you just pop in your head. And go, why did they do that? I was. Why did they do it that way? At least it makes more sense than my neighbor running his engine for no apparent reason on a Sunday afternoon. Oh. I apologize, folks, for that. Yeah, might have to get used to stuff like that. Though another weirder one we covered was called The Naked Cage from 1986. Uh, one of... Two naked movies, quote unquote, from I think the same year. The naked duology, as I was calling it for a while, like even the unintentional they, sequel, even though they have nothing to do with each nothing other. Nothing to do with They each just other. have the title naked in it. Yeah. Um, so The Naked Cage from 1986 is what you would call 
uh, your typical uh, exploitation film. It's a woman, a woman in prison, prison. film. Yes, so it's a thriller. So it's a woman who's wrongly accused is sent to prison mm-hmm. and has to survive until the end. And mm. then it takes a weird turn near the end where it became, becomes almost a slasher for some reason, including the main antagonist, dying in the most slasher way possible. Weren't they electrocuted to death? Yeah, they were fighting in, in the catacombs in the basement of the of the prison and she got kicked into an electrical thing. Wow. That, yeah, I remember that. that I was, was waiting for her to c- do just one more scare, but she didn't do it because no. this is a woman in prison movie, not a horror movie. No, it was it was a pretty intense intense ending. I remember that one. Yeah, overall like I remember the movie being pretty typical of its genre, but then you get the whole canon insanity at the end. And it makes it a little bit more memorable than I guess one of these would normally be. It's a little bit more typical, a little less sexier than you would assume for than a, for a woman in prison movie. But um, that ending, oof. that that <laughs> crazy whoa ending is was was just like insane. It, it's it's mm-hmm. also another one of those that are not great, but not that bad. I don't remember if we actually reviewed it that well, but I think we were just fine with it because this is this feels like a movie like. I own it. I might watch it again at some point. Like, you see it there, like, oh, The Naked Cage, why not? I'll watch it. It's, it's one of those types of movies. Uh, yeah, the next one... Is one of the exceptions that we watched this uh, season. That's the reason technically it, not a canon, but it really is a canon. It is a canon movie in that it was 1990's Death Warrant starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Uh, this movie was made for canon films, was supposed to come out by canon films. Financed by canon films, yeah. everything by canon films, and then they ran out of money, yeah. and MGM paid off the rest of it and released it. So they put it out instead. And it's very much a canon movie, because it's a prison movie. Were they even credited in the cre- credits properly on it? I think the individuals were, but I don't think canon itself was at the time. Because they just bought it out, right? If I remember correctly. My favorite part of this movie, my, okay, my, just to, to rewind a little bit. My favorite part of every Jean Claude Van Damme movie mm-hmm. is that they always have to make an explanation for his accent, <laughs> and their explanation for Death Warrant is a French Canadian policeman is mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah is is going undercover in a prison to follow the serial killer <laughs> yeah. that he put away. And this was I believe David Goyer's first David S. Goyer's major first major script, yes. Yeah. And it definitely has a lot of the stuff you'd be known for because the movie's a bit strange in places though. And it's not as much of an action packed movie as you would assume for the title being called Death Warrant. No, there are action sequences and they're pretty good ones, but that's not really what you go to this movie for cuz there's a lot of gruesome deaths in this film. Am I confusing this one with the uh, Penitentiary Three, or is this one the one that has Danny Trejo? Uh, that's a good question. I think they might both have him actually, but but yeah, this one is, is this the one where they call him the Warden because he's the Warden of the prison. I don't remember. I just remember us doing a long bit. Well, we did a whole bunch of these movies in, a, that... in that <laughs> season, so they might blur together a little bit. But this one, I remember specifically because. The ending sequence where everybody's like uh, circling around in the prison block and they're doing this big over the top fight, 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 and he fight. knocks him into the the valve, the steam valve, and he gets out even though he's been gored in the head. Like, there's a lot of really weird stuff like that, including like the guy who got burned to death, and it was yes. very graphic. And was this the one with the Southern Dandy? <laughs> yeah, I think. It okay, was. yeah, I, I confuse this in Penitentiary Three all the time. Yeah. Uh, but this is the one when he finally defeats the the villain, like in his hand to hand combat. Everybody just kind of is like, let the man go, I let get, him go, and they just all back away from him as he walks up the. He's the leader now because he killed that guy who was crazy strong. Yeah, 
It's, it's there's a lot of like tropes you expect from those action movies back then, but it's not really what I would call an action movie. It's is it more of like a prison thriller type thing. It's a it, yeah, it's more of a straight up prison thriller with a southern dandy. Mm. And it's like I said, weird enough that it manages to stand out because I can still think quite a quite a lot about it. Uh, the next one though is dangerously close to 1986, a Albert Pune joint, which I believe we watched before he died. That's how yeah, we had we watched. Did this. That's, that's how long it is. Or, or either that or after, because the following movie we watched as well was one of his. But this is one of those movies where a bunch of uh, rich boys form a vigilante justice team out of school and basically take out the undesirable uh, students uh, this... as, as in their crusade. And it ends with one of the dumbest fakeouts where I think this is another movie where the guy goes, uh, we think he's dead, but he goes basically on tour with Fish. He follows fish. Yeah, that one. That one was funny though. <laughs> yeah, but this one was funny because they find his his van burned like out. He, you think he's dead, and he goes, "Well, oh yeah, no, they tried to attack me, but uh, then my buddy said we were gonna go see fish, and so I jumped on the, on the train with them, and we went to see fish." I think like every Albert Pune movie has a weird gag part of the of the ending like that, and in this movie, it's kind of funny. And it has this one has John Stockwell in it. Yeah, this one of I think of all the ones we've watched from uh, Albert Pune is the most like a typical movie would be like you just like go to a movie and watch like a canon film and it would play like a canon film it doesn't really have a lot of the craziness you see in a lot of his films i was about to say, say the meanest thing and because i just brought that up i will say it anyways but rest right. his soul are you saying that this movie is the most movie that was made by a human that he had made well he <laughs> and not some alien from outer space well, that's the thing with albert pune is a lot of his stuff is so out there and strange and it's not really that prevalent in this movie, and another thing I always keep thinking about, because it's in a movie we're going to cover later, much later than this, because um, that one's very similar to this one, but every time now I think about it, I, I'm always thinking of the two different movies and comparing, like, why did he get this so much better than the other guy did? Because this should have been such an easy concept to do, and it is pretty straightforward, and he does pretty much everything you can do out of the concept. Which leads us into our next rewatch we did. Because we were doing Albert Pune and, hey folks, Vinegar Syndrome here. I bought that, this on sale in their beautiful edition. We rewatched the 1988 Alien from L.A. So this time we watched mm -hmm. the Kathy Ireland classic, the Albert Pune classic, without riff tracks or MST3K. We just watched it straight. And our appreciation for the movie, mm -hmm. surprisingly, was better than our first time. But then again, same thing as the Apple. We, we, were, more, we more, were more there for the not-quite-human-made film that we was also, Albert Pune. We also, for a lot of these rewatches, watched much better versions than we did the first time around. And... Uh... Most of them were Vinegar Syndrome. Go figure. <laughs> yeah, in this one's case, it's an enjoyable movie. It's got its own unique style to it, and there isn't really anything like this in any way you can think of. And that theme song, that is a banger. This isn't Journey to the Center of the Earth. It's like no. this is a good movie, or a better movie, I should say. Oh, much better. It's not This is a close. watchable movie. But for some reason, Kathy Ireland talks like this. Yeah, and that can either take away from the movie or add to it, I guess, depending on your mood. But I find it funny now. The, the, the best part was, and I will remember it to the day I die, is the IMDb page just basically says something in the plot like, nerdy girl with a high-pitched voice travels to Africa and stumbles in search of her father, stumbles onto a, hit, a hidden civilization. It's like something like that. But it's the fact that the first part is nerdy girl with a high-pitched voice. And I'm like... Yeah. Kathy Ireland is your nerdy girl. What what the hell is wrong with you? Like, why would you have her do that voice? And the so fact weird. that everybody lampshades it and goes, 
Why do you talk like that? Yeah, that's... That movie, what is wrong with you? That might be the the pure weirdest movie Albert Pune did that actually really works for what it's trying to do. Not there's, a good movie, but it was it was a fun in retrospect. It. There's not a whole lot about it where you would look at and go, wow, why did they do that? They should have done it this way. It was like, no, this is pretty much what we would expect from a story like this. And it's enjoyable watch, not a whole lot like it. Which leads us to our next movie, which I'm going to say That's right weird. now, folks, is the first time you're going to hear me say this episode, Gang Rape. <laughs> Uh, so we checked out Young Warriors, a.k.a. The Graduates of Malibu High from 1983. Which is technically related to another movie called Malibu High. Yeah, where in this one, the, their friend gets gang raped by a bunch of thugs. So they join, so they form a vigilante group to hunt th- them down. Yeah, so it's supposed to be one of those movies where like uh, somebody dies, somebody wants to get revenge, and they get worse and worse until everything explodes at the end. In this case, literally, that's what happens. Yeah, it's death. <laughs> it's supposed to be Death Wish with teens, mm-hmm. but all the teenagers are like the same age as uh, I think, Charles Bronson. <laughs> I think this was done a bit like a couple years too early for this concept to really shine. It's it doesn't feel like they really knew what they wanted with this one. Just the fact that my plot synopsis includes the word rape shows how early in the 80s this was. Well, if you're going to do something like that, you kind of need a different tone than this movie had. Because this movie, remember, was a bit unsure what it wanted to do. What, was this one or the dangerously close the one with the paintball guns? I think it might have been this one. Because this is how closely related in my brain these two movies are. Because they are both roughly the same or similar movie. Mm-hmm. Except that one of them... Is about getting revenge for a gang rape. Yeah, that movie again did it better than this one. This one just feels like they they didn't know if they wanted to be like for a while. Remember, it was like a college movie, or if it wanted to be like Death Wish, or if it wanted to be like um, more serious. If it wanted to be more comedic, because there's weird comedic parts. It, the the whole thing just feels like they didn't know what they were trying to do with it. And as a as a as a consequence, it's just like not that fun to watch. It's not fun to watch, and it's. Well, the ending was funny because of the grenade going off. I don't even remember the the grenade. Like the, I, I honestly did a just. I, I looked at this list. He killed himself by pulling a grenade off. Oh right, yeah, okay. No, I I did that a rewatch, was, like not a rewatch, a re-listen of like some a handful of the episodes from this season just to try to remind myself of the ones that were a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And we don't even mention the grenade as far as I remember in that episode. Yeah, because of the whole thing is just about. The whole movie not really working. Though, we might as well move on to the next one. There's not really else to say about that. This one was another one we wanted to cover in the first season, just like Young Warriors was, where we just could not find, which was... And we weren't sure if it counted as a canon or not. And Mm. then Austin Trunick put out his book and said, yes, this just counts as a canon. So Randy and JD need to watch this film. So we watched Alien Contamination. From from Lewis Coates. Whose mm. real name is Luigi Cozzi, director of Hercules mm. and the Adventures of Hercules and Sinbad? Was, did he do Sinbad? I think so. And parts of the Seven Magnificent Gladiators, which they just reused the uh, chariot chase scene in one of the movies. That was mostly Bruno Mattei, though. Yeah, I know. But but uh, mm-hmm. I finally determined, uh, like a quick aside, they had reused the chariot scene in one of the other Hercules films. Or in the Sinbad film, either or. I don't really know why, but okay. Yeah, this movie was a... It's kind of a typical Italian, of all things, horror movie in a lot of ways. It it doesn't really feel like a movie that should have come out when it did. It feels a bit older. Yeah, it feels like a ripoff of the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, but not of the the Mm -hmm. one with... uh, With... um, What's his name? Uh, Sutherland in it, but with, Mm -hmm. with the one that was before that one. 
Yeah, there's some really cool like effects I remember with the aliens, like they were shooting the eggs and whatnot. And I just kind of remember the dub over being kind of funny. Yeah, there's some good stuff in the movie, but as a whole, it just went on way too long and and a very bathroom slow. scene. But I don't remember a lot from that scene. Yeah, that was the one where she was locked in with the uh, the alien was going to take her over, and they wouldn't go into the bathroom to get her. Then they slowly found out, and then they eventually got to the bath. So there's a lot of that in the movie where it just goes on and on and on. It's not a very well-paced movie, and if I'm not mistaken, I think that was the worst part. That was what we agreed on was the worst part of the film. Yeah, I think so. Uh, there's some good effects for 1980. But 1980 uh, Italian film, yeah. it's yeah. <laughs> There was decent effects. And it was a good, relatively good rip-off, but I wasn't going to mm. say. Alien was the same year, or was it the year before? Alien, I think it was 1979. Yeah, so there was a little bit of that influence in there. I think specifically mm-hmm. with the eggs designs, Probably and, and I eggs. think there was, I think there was like face huggers or something in it, but I can't quite remember. It's, there was something similar to yeah. that. Yeah, but yeah, as a whole, is it not the worst thing we watched, but not uh, particularly memorable. And then we watched the other naked movie, which is the Naked Face from 1984. Yeah, this is the this is a strange one. It's a mystery thriller. Yeah, kind of psychological at the same time. This yeah. one had uh, one of the James Bonds. It had in Roger it. Moore. Mm-hmm. Who did a pretty good job, if I remember correctly, on this yeah, one. Yeah, I'll just read the, the thing I, I wrote about on it before mm-hmm. I change it later on. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's see. This Brian Forbes-directed Roger Moore starring film follows the tale of a psychoanalyst wrongly accused of murder and the twist and turns that follow. What I also remember about this movie is that... Uh, that we thought that there was going to be a twist-out ending? Well, there kind of was, but the the whole twisting part of the story where we're trying to find out who it is is also punctuated by the fact that there's some actually surprisingly good like violence in this movie, surprisingly well good effects on it, because it was the whole part where the guy is shot in the legs and crushed. Yeah, and like, that's like wow. I said, it was a really weird, rough movie, and... and <laughs> it, it, and that was like in a trash compactor, right? Because they were like, yeah, no. And the whole entire thing was the woman he fell for, they thought that because he was a psychoanalyst that he, that she revealed stuff to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the cops it. thought that he was killing people that he was, reve- that she was revealing to him. Yeah. And then they were like going back and forth for a while. And then at the end, it ends up in a big explosion of violence, which is crazy. And then you think they get away with it. And then while they're at the mm-hmm. uh, cemetery, uh, his lover gets killed. Soon to be lover. Soon to be lover. Yeah, because they never actually get together because it was unethical for him mm-hmm. to be in a relationship. But and then it no leads longer. you with the question: Wait a minute, who did that? And then that's, that's how it, it ends. and that's how it ends. Which is not a bad ending, actually. I said it's it's not the most coherent thing we watched, but it's also a pretty original film overall, and I actually quite enjoyed it. Like just that description, us talking about it like briefly, like this. I actually want to go back and rewatch this film, and mm-hmm. then I'll probably watch it and go, "Oh right, yeah, no, it wasn't that great." But mm-hmm. just it's just there's a movie every once in a while. I go, I should rewatch that one. I, I own that from Kino. It's like I should watch it. Yeah, it's a fun movie overall. It's uh, definitely worth seeing. I it's would... definitely a movie, one of those movies that could have been better. Uh, like a remake could have been better. Yeah, it could have been better, but as it as it is, also at the same time, like with the weird violence and stuff like that. I'm not sure it had the same effect because that stuff was like, it really took you into a new new uh, arena. So as a whole, like I said, it's not one of the best things we watched, but I'm glad we finally got to watch it because we want, again, want to watch this one a while ago, but couldn't. So I'm glad we got to see this one. Not sure I can say the exact same thing oh, about the next movie God. we watched, which was 1987's Undercover. 
Okay, so uh, let me see if I remember this one. Is this one that we watched as a terrible VHS rip on YouTube, or was it a terrible VHS rip on Tubi? I think this one might have just been a VHS rip, because I don't think this one that ever had a proper re-release. And is this one where a 40-year-old man goes undercover in a Johnny high school? Stockwell. Where a 40-year-old balding man goes undercover in <laughs> in a John, high school? John Stockwell, yeah. This is, this is another John Stockwell one, which is weird, considering... The other one we covered also had him in it and also involved the school. But this one, he's supposed to be undercover and he looks so much older than the other so much older teens in this film. Yeah, and the film is more egregious than 21 Jump Street, the TV series. And the film itself is, if I recall correctly, it was very, very slow. Not very exciting. Not a whole. No, there's nothing really there. The episode of Recess with the kid who goes undercover was more exciting than this film. <laughs> yeah. With, this... Sorry, with the with the with the cop that goes undercover in an elementary school. It's a shame because you could have done something more with this. It just it it, it didn't work. This is like the bread and butter of canon. This should have been like mm. a, a hit out of the park. Yeah, uh, John Stockwell, I think, got writing credit on this one, if I remember correctly. Because mm. I because he, he got because I think he did some writing on Dangerously Close. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this one is completely unmemorable. Just it's just a, a miss. It's just a miss, and there's a. It's one of those ones where you go, yeah. There's a reason why there hasn't been a re-release because nobody is clamoring for them to re-release Undercover. Not really, especially uh, when the whole concept has been done before and has been done much better than this one. Has. Like I'm not even clamoring for a uh, reissue of Undercover, and we and I watched and kind of liked Journey to the Center of the Earth from 1988. So speaking of movies that didn't quite work, that were ideas that have been done before. The next movie we covered was Journey, Journey to the, the Center of the Earth from, from 1988. 1988. Again. I was trying to do a segue into that one. And you yeah, because I wanted to go back and say exactly how they tie in and that they're both simple ideas executed badly. Although in this case, not even really executed because the movie is not finished. So put a pin for a second. 1988. We're nearing the end of Canon's run of money goodness. Yes. Me English no good in. Mm-hmm. Um and you can tell that this one was just slapped together so yes. that they could keep their commitments going. And I believe it only had like a theatrical release in Japan. Oh, it was definitely slapped together. And so the whole history on this is that you had Rusty Lemerand, mm-hmm. uh, who who directed like, I don't know, like five minutes and change of the film. And then they basically had Albert, the opening, basically the opening, but honestly a little bit more because you watch the movie. Mm-hmm. And then they had Albert Pune come in and s- slap some Vaseline on it and try to make it better. And he just kind of went... Uh, this is a sequel to Alien from LA. I want nothing. I don't want my name on this movie because it's so bad. Think, Albert Pune, rest his soul, mm-hmm. did not want his name on this movie because it was so bad. I'm not even sure that that's fully what happened. I think what might have actually happened was that they had two different movies in production and ran out of movie for money for both of them. I just said, slap these two movies together and somehow make them work. Because the movie doesn't really jar at all together and they're characters who just vanish remember the the dream sequence where they use all the other footage from what seems to be the finale of the original version of the film that must have been shot early on in production with the weird uh including uh, the little girl who was abandoned left to die because that's that one's always gonna no no no. it's the dog that was abandoned left to die except that they it's like they, they, she's found by the mother because remember the eldest brother goes mom and the, hey we're the coast guard and mom and we're here to get you and then he walks out of the movie and then he walks out of the movie with with the little girl that was apparently with him which they couldn't get back for the reshoots so that, that they couldn't get the, the actors that suddenly just disappear they couldn't yeah. get back for the reshoots and then there's the whole ending sequence which is like literally a weird epilogue that jumps forward 
Which is probably the most Albert Pune thing about the movie, to be quite honest. Oh, you mean the part where they suddenly start playing a scene from, is it Invasion USA or the Delta Force? Or did they just use the theme from Delta Force? It's Delta Force because it's the action sequence near the end. (laughs) Such a dumb, dumb And then What's-Her-Name comes in and she's like dressed like a teenager and she like winks at the camera. But then shows her terrible, terrible teeth. Yeah. Uh, The Morlock. Which is probably the best part of the movie because the rest of it just does not work. Nothing works! And And she's trying to... I was going to say trying to diddle a little boy, but he's not really that little of a boy. Yeah, it's it's the whole thing just doesn't. For work. a while, it's like I, I had actually thought that his elder brother was his father because of how old his brother looks, and that, but that he he still looked like he was in his twenties. No, the whole movie is is a flop. And when we rewatched this one, because we rewatched it, because we figured, why not? Let's give it another shot. We rewatched some of the other stuff and changed our mind. I did not change my mind on this one at all. I still think it's the worst thing we've ever watched. I will not go out of my way to watch this movie again. But I'm just saying, I'm never gonna watch it if Vinegar Syndrome were to put out a release with a bunch of special features, oh, I would rewatch the movie and then watch the special features. Oh. Uh, if Shout were to put it out with a bunch of special features, I, I would rewatch it. Just because it's like, to hear the actual story <laughs> about this film... I'm sure the story behind the movie is a lot more interesting than the movie is because it just does not work. Though speaking of something we went out of our way to watch, the next one we covered was Barfly from 1987, which is another one we really couldn't find for a while. My friends, yeah. this one stars Mickey Rourke and... As Charles Bukowski. I mean, I Charles Buka- Bukowski's character. Yeah, <laughs> who I think is like is actually like Char- Charles Mutkowski or something stupid. Charles like- Chukowski. Yeah, and uh, it star and his co-star is... Uh, she's an act, a, a famous actress from an earlier era of films. Kathleen Turner. Kathleen Turner, yes. Uh, Miss uh, Jessica Rabbit herself. And Frank Stallone. Oh, right. This was a Frank Stallone film. I forgot about that. And the surprising thing about this movie is that it's very good. It's actually... It, it actually good. is really good, yeah. Yeah, it's like, is it not my... It's not really my type of movie. Faye anymore. Dunaway, not... Not... Yeah. Uh, not mm-hmm. Kathleen Turner, we were thinking of uh, Romancing the Stone. Yeah, that's what we're thinking of, yeah. Yeah, overall, like I said, it's a good movie. It's a character piece about his character, and uh, it's a fun watch. Not one of my favorites or anything, but it's definitely a good watch. I I will just walk around and go, my friends! Yeah, and there's those weird fight sequences where they just fight each other over and over again. And and then in some reason, my brain keeps conflating his Charles Bukowski character with uh, Popeye with the way he talks. And it's like, oh, I need some fuel for my meals. Yeah, it's not that that out there for that. No, no. Overall, though, like I said, I don't think my my And a pretty spot on Bukowski. Yeah, I don't think my opinion (laughs) is really going to change. It's a good film for what it is. And if you like these types of movies, then definitely give it a go. Yeah, no, it's. A surprisingly good movie, and I'm just actually double-checking the availability, because I think we... I don't remember how we watched it, but I remember we watched it. It was very hard, because we tried to get it for multiple seasons, but we couldn't find it because it was nowhere available. It still has never had a home release here. I I think I ended up getting it from, like, a dodgy site, and it was, like, a... Yeah, because there's not... But but, but it was a Blu-ray rip from another region. Yes, because it's not on on home video here. It's not on streaming services here. It was a rip from, like, a region two, because I'm looking on Amazon, and all they have are, like, German and... It's one of those movies where the rights are just tied up in the wrong place, so it's difficult to find. Now, this is one, yeah. If this was re-released, I would... I would buy this one. Like, Mm -hmm. I had to drop up a hat. I I actually would rewatch this film. It's it's, it's actually probably one of the better... Mm -hmm. 1987 canon films. So speaking of movies you bought so we could rewatch, 
Oh, I didn't buy it because of the rewatch. I bought it because I kind of like it, even though I always give it like a two every yeah. time we talk about it, just because this movie has so much more potential than it has any right to be. 1982's Hospital Massacre. Slash X-Ray. AKA X-Ray, yeah. yeah. Um, this is the one where I'll just say this one. It's like, for some reason, the canon, canon guys always refer to it as X-Ray, AKA Hospital Massacre, when it's the other way around. Yeah, this movie is such a trip, and it's one we, we always conflate with new year's evil as if they were to mash these two together no no you conflate it with the two of them yeah because they're very similar in a lot of ways and if you would have mashed them together it would have made one crazy story as it is though there's some really interesting sequences in it um but a lot of strangeness like the whole opening sequence of the kid getting killed which is bizarre yeah that's 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 quite the uh quite the opener and then and then it's like what the hell just happened and then cut forward 20 years and though this is a horror movie it's not really uh an american style horror movie it's very much like an italian giallo kind of like uh well schizoid when we get to that one it doesn't really feel there's a reason why it's a two-pack it doesn't really feel like it's um american in fact there's they did three uh, horror movies in that period and one of them is a lot better than the other two which we'll get to eventually but for now, I'll just say that uh, this is enjoyable enough. It's kind of, it's pretty unique. There's not a whole lot like this one, even from its decade. It's like it's one of those weird movies that if they took out the the more actual actual horror elements, the slasher elements, and made it just a straight up psychological horror film, <laughs> that this movie could win an Academy Award. Like like that type of like probably get, would have, yeah. like make it actual no no not with the actors in it, but. Uh... <laughs> Well, they're bizarre enough that it would probably yeah. work. But but if it had if they had just excised it, it's like it's done today. Excise mm-hmm. all the actual uh, slasher stuff, make it psychological horror, and mm-hmm. and yeah, it, yeah, it would work. It's 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 a movie that for me that always has more potential, and that potential makes me keep coming back to it because this is mm-hmm. one that, like I said, I keep giving it a two, and I honestly I should probably just give it a three. I should just come out and say three because I would rewatch the film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's not the worst thing they they did horror wise, but I don't think it's the best one either. Though, um, the next one we covered is Body and Soul from 1981, and this is another movie we couldn't find back way back when. Yeah, when we first started, uh, this movie was impossible to find, and mm-hmm. this one was still impossible to find until I found it on again on a sketchy Russian uh, streaming site, yeah, which yeah. I then ripped and before it got taken down, yeah, and a... we watched it in the crappiest of VHS rips. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty standard like boxing movie rags to riches type story where a guy uh, doesn't know what he has and he loses it because he goes too over the top. You know those types of movies. It's such a typical boxing film that this is the tagline: mm. yeah. a shattering story of corruption, violence, and temptation. Though since this came out so close to Rocky, I don't think people really minded at the time. Yeah. Because it, it was a little bit more original at the time. Yeah, and it's fine. It does what it wants to do. There's nothing about it that like really like hurts it. And you just go, oh, I didn't want, I don't know, why'd they do that? It's just, it's fine. And that's really all I can really say about this movie. It was fine. Not one of the best things we watched, though. I think that one of the best things we watched is actually the next movie. Because you see, JD, mm-hmm. everyone in the world is very screwed up. Mm-hmm. Here's another movie that took us forever to find. It's actually a Criterion collection release once again folks criterion mm-hmm. canon criterion you don't hear those two words together very often no john cassavetti's love streams from 1984 
mm. except that it did not stream for us when we initially tried to watch no, it. No, it didn't. This was another one we had a hard time getting a hold of. This is of. a lovely, lovely movie. It, um, it's a movie about love and its different forms, and it follows a bunch of characters. Who... Love is a stream, JD. Yeah. It's continuous. It doesn't stop. And this is a, it's not just talking about romantic love. Mm. It's talking about the love for yourself, the love for uh, family, the love for friends, the yeah. love for a lover. It's um, about love in, in, in its in, in all its myriad forms and how we're all messed up people and that how we sometimes enable the ones we love to be be terrible people. And John Cassavetes was very sick mm. when doing this movie and Golan and it's Globus just, just let him do whatever you wanted because they wanted to have that uh, prestige of having Cassavetes. It's his last real movie he put out before he died. There was another one he put out, but he didn't have any control over that. It got edited to crap. Yeah. This one is the last one he got to put out that was 100% his. And it also and... ended up uh, creating a really great documentary that we didn't watch because we didn't want to watch another documentary that was released by Canon. And because we already watched enough stuff this season. Yeah. But like as it was, though... It's definitely one of the best things we watched. It's very unique, and it's not like a whole lot of things you're going to watch. And it's a good thing Criterion did put it out, because it's definitely worth the quality uh, of the movie, and I would definitely recommend watching that one. Yeah, this is one of the ones that are going to be fighting it out for, like, all-time canon top ten. Though, so speaking of canon top ten, the next movie oh. would probably also break the top ten. We have the na- the trope Nama. We mm-hmm. have... The Sam Festenberg's second Linda Dickey film, yes. even though it was the first released. Yeah. Yes, folks, I'm talking about Breaking Two Electric Boogaloo. Yeah. This is one of the ones we rewatched for the season because the first time we watched it was in really bad quality. Probably one of the worst qualities we watched it. And uh, our opinion changed uh, pretty much like almost 180, I think, on it. It goes to show you just how much things improve when you get to watch them in a better version. Oh, yeah. I really wish that we could purchase it, but I was able to stumble upon some actual good good rips of this film. Well, one of the things that benefits the movie is because of what it is, is that it's very bold and bright and has a lot of sunny music. So it really, it's pleasant to watch. And if you take that away from it, it kind of takes it down a peg. Honestly, the movie gets better when you look at it as music video logic, not musical logic, music video logic, because it's really honestly one uh, mm. one big music video or several big music videos, kind oh, of yeah. like that Michael Jackson movie that would later come out. Yeah, it's not the Moonwalker. The story is pretty obvious and typical. Is that it's just let's save, save the, the community, community center. center. We've seen it a million times. What makes it work in this movie is that they fit in as much crazy dance stuff as they can and. I'm, I'm really... Sam Furstenberg, and we have access to... Why am I talking like that? Uh, I don't know. We always do I'm going to do him as Werner Herzog, then uh, we have access to the room from Nightmare on Elm Street. How can we use... Now it's going Scottish. How can we use it to uh, to do a dance sequence? Yeah, they did that with pretty much everything in the movie, where they just figured, well, we can go all out on this movie, so what should we do? And then they just, like, every single dance sequence, they did something crazy. The dancer Boogaloo Shrimp literally dances a, 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 on the ceiling of a room. Mm-hmm. And if you just want a fun thing to watch, like, uh, not nothing really tax your brain, but just to have fun, few movies do it as good as this one does. Because this, this one, I think we even changed our mind, because originally we said the first one was the better movie of the two, and now we're saying, no, actually the second one's better, because it, it, it achieves that a lot better uh, and easier. Though, in retrospect, it's probably because we didn't, I think we watched them close to each other, like almost back to back. Yeah. So we saw... Mm-hmm. what audiences saw in 1984 since both movies were released in the same year yeah. uh, <laughs> they're they're different they're very different from each other 
And it obviously didn't help that we didn't see this one in the best quality possible. And then when we saw it in a better quality, it just elevated the whole movie. So, like, if you want a movie to have fun with, this is definitely one you're going to have fun this with. Is a movie, yeah, this is a movie that don't go in this expecting the highest of high art. If you just want to watch some cool, some people doing some cool breakdancing from the 80s. Yeah. Um, it's just fun. It's a good Yeah, time. it's just a fun movie. And you want to see one of the, the worst dub overs of an actress ever? <laughs> go ahead. Because she was too quiet for the mic and couldn't get picked up. And yeah. So, speaking of quiet... We then watched Company of Wolves from 1985. The only reason we checked this one out is because we weren't sure if it was officially a canon. And mm. then Trunick put out his book and said, yes, this one is a canon. So we watched it. Yeah, it's... Um, it I had Angela Lansbury in it. It had Angela Lansbury in it, and it was a fun watch to a point. But it's... Well, let's put it this way. It's one of those things where it's it's a movie about a young girl in a fairy tale and it's about her I think literally of age. Her, I think literally her name is girl and it's And it's, it's a coming of age thing and there's very blatant stuff with that kind of stuff and it's just like Don't talk we to get strangers. It, we get it, we get it. Except there's like really mixed messages at the end because like talking to strangers ends up being a good thing and there's no nuance but it's also like a horror it's also a horror movie because there's like yeah. a werewolf transformations that are almost comparable to joe dante's the howling and then at the very end the wolves all bust through into uh, the real world and apparently that's the end of the movie and story-wise like i said it's it's very basic and i don't find it that enjoyable but the effects in the movie were quite good and quite impressive especially how they got like the different sizes of wolves to run yeah. through and make it seem like it was getting bigger so it was stuff like that and it was literally just like let's start off with a husky and then we're yeah. gonna start moving to bigger dogs and bigger dogs that all look like and now we have a really big german shepherd that yeah. looks like a wolf in it's, the shadows cool and then speaking of basic we checked out sort of the valiant from 1984 one of the most episodic Film not that unlike the one we just talked about where it's very blatant so um so, question yeah. because i can't remember is this the gawain movie yes it is so this was the one where the director this is like his was his second or third attempt to do the gawain story yeah, it's the, the only story this guy does is the, the gawain with Sh- story with sean connery sean connery yeah he was uh he was the green knight as there's some he was the sexy green knight JD. There's some fun stuff in this movie, some cool effects, but what held it back was the fact that it felt like they wanted it to be a miniseries, so it's very episodic. Where it's really now sad. Now we're in this part. Now we're in this part. Now we're in this part. Yeah, it's really sad how many of these things are just would have been so much served better as a television mm. series. Like here's multiple episodes. This is Tenth Kingdom starring John Larroquette. Though, uh, but that doesn't work as a two-hour movie, but yeah. as a f- four-part series, it would have worked better. Though unlike a, a movie we wa- will watch later and talk about later, it's not exactly unwatchable. It's just not as good as it could be. Yeah, This it's movie's just, just a fine, watchable film. It's just a, not a great film. Hmm. I, I, and I know I didn't like it. I'm never going to go back to it. JD might because hmm. he likes this type of stuff. Yeah, uh, the one we did go back to, and I'm not sure if we changed our mind about it, but oh I think no, we didn't. Get, we didn't change our mind on it because we, we reevaluated this, it. This slightly. is another one like Hospital Massacre where we, I think we still both gave it a two after the fact. Even no, I don't though think it, I did. I think I gave it a three. Oh, you think? Oh, I think I gave st- stuck with two, but um, New Year's Evil from 1980 is the third canon horror movie they did, and I, I still think it's their best one. It's does it, everything. It's another one that whiffs its potential. It does everything you want to see in this sort of movie. Uh, the way it sets up the kills are actually pretty well done. 
Um, I like how it ramps up up to way, towards the ending, how the villain gets more and more unhinged as it goes. Which I like, and I, and I like the the visual we have of the ma- mm-hmm. his mask, his Laurel Hardy mask, and you can mm-hmm. tell that they wanted this to be their Jason, their Freddy Krueger, their, their their guy. No, that was before all of that because it's nineteen eighty. Sorry, they wanted it to be their Michael Myers. There, mm-hmm. sorry, I made, I made a correction. Yeah, I'm surprised they never tried to do any sort of sequel to this because well, it's this, a very iconic look. It's, it's almost the eighties too. It, it's it, I find it looks better than uh, a more contemporary thing than Babyface from. Uh, um, Happy Death Day, like like it has a better, more monstrous look. I think of the three horror movies though. I think this is the one I would definitely watch the more readily of all three of them. Uh, yeah, actually, this one and Hospital Massacre I would rewatch more than the other one that we, we keep alluding to. Because we're going to get to that one a bit later than than this, though. Um, a strange one because this is another one we again we wanted to watch but couldn't find was. Grace Quigley from 1985, which has such a storied production history. That and this one we kept going back and forth on about, uh, maybe we should just skip this one. Why are we trying to find this one so hard? Mm-hmm. And then I got it on sale on a Kino sale, and we and I and we were like, ah, Randy owns it. I guess we're going to watch it. And then we watched it and went, what the hell was that? Yeah, it's, it's there's a lot of canon weirdness in this movie. And this is a movie that could have been so much better, but it could have been so much worse. Yeah, it's a strange, it's a strange film because there's... Another version of it out there, too, that we'll never see because it's locked away somewhere. Can you describe to the audience the plot of this movie from your memory? The movie is about a hitman getting hired by an old lady who wants to die. And she uses his services as a euthanasia, basically, um, agent, for lack of a better term. And it ends up playing with the whole mortality thing. Like, is this right? Is this wrong? Is this is this going to help anybody? And then they play around with it a lot. And it ends in a, I think, a pretty satisfying fashion, especially considering what the original ending was going to be. A depressing ending. But this movie, mm-hmm. that description you make sounds like, oh, this is just a straight-up black comedy. There's elements of that. But it just ends up kind of being more of a comedy. Yeah, there's elements of a black comedy in it, but it's not really one. It's just more of a normal comedy with some black comedy elements. And overall, it's an enjoyable watch. There's not a whole lot of movies like this one either. And it would have been nice, though, to see what the original version would have been. And I don't mean the one with, like, the 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 dark ending. I just mean the one where this is the original, like, their go at it that was taken back, you know. And uh, overall, though, I think it's worth watching, especially considering it was really cheap in the canon sale. I bought it for, like, five bucks. Yeah. And it was definitely worth that. And which leads us to probably one of the worst... The canon film, the strangest misfires. This, there's no reason this should have been as big a misfire as it was. Starring the sexy teenage, not legal, Brooke Shields, 1983 Sahara. Yeah, this is a movie that should have been crazy loopy out there because it was a whole ra- uh, race around the countryside into the desert. And it ended up being a weird episodic slog where... It wanted to be a romantic uh, movie, but it didn't really work out. And, and the, the behind-the-scenes stuff... Go out and read the Trunick book that that covers this part here. Because there's so much behind-the-scenes meddling by her mother. It had all the parts to being like a crazy canon film. She almost, almost died because there was a scene that uh, Menachem Golan uh, directed where they are like, Yeah, no, just step on the gas and uh, go and, and crash the car. This is one of the few times where you're actually feeling any sort of excitement in the movie. Because for some reason, her mother was in control of this and she had no idea what she was doing. 
no, no, you have sap- to have more of her underage body showing. No, it has to have more. Yeah, and the whole thing ends up like sapping all energy and fun out of the film. If if Gollum was would have been, would have been allowed to make it, say what you want about Gollum, his movies are always at least fun. That's not the case in this one. Yeah, they're never great, but they're always at least fun. That, this has no energy. It's definitely the worst film he directed because it's just, there's no reason to watch this one. It's just boring. And it's a complete misfire. Unlike our next movie. Yeah, we uh, rewatched the 1985 Life Force from Toby Hooper. This is one of those movies that was a surprise find that you don't you don't believe that people don't talk about more often because mm-hmm. it is one of the craziest films and features uh, Sir Patrick Stewart uh, in his first role in which he kissed somebody on screen. This is probably the most canon movie allowed to be a canon movie possible, and yet... You like vampires but don't want to have all the icky blood in it? Then you make them into uh, aliens that are always naked, and that they make their ghouls that spread the zombie. Sorry, spread the vampire virus like zombies. Oh, and yeah. there's a post apocalyptic. Oh, sorry, it's an apocalyptic world at the end. Yeah, it's a it's a real crazy movie with a lot of stuff going on. And when we first it escalates. When we first watched it. We didn't watch it in the best quality, and we we're like, it was pretty good. But then we decided to rewatch it because we didn't watch in the best quality. We ended up saying, "Wow, this is actually one of Canon's best movies." And then, and then we finally <laughs> watched it with with the yeah the highest of qualities. But we watched the director's cut, like Toby Hooper's actual. This is my what I wanted the movie to be. Mm-hmm. It ended up being a little bit longer than needed to be that way, but it was even better than the original one. Oh, it's definitely better, and it's it could have been tighter. Yeah, there is nothing quite like Life Force, and I think no, that's there is one of the best things you can say about this movie because you're not going to find anything like that even by Toby Hooper himself. He did two other canon movies, which I also revised my opinion on. I actually really like them as well, but this is the best one, and probably I would might be controversial to say I think it's probably his best movie. It's just the whole film just it's there's nothing like it, and it's. So crazy and out there, and they but, use every single special but, effect but, trick. But how can this be his best movie, JD? When he di- redacted, <laughs> sorry, Steven Spielberg may have directed that film, we don't know for sure. Uh, oh, it was definitely Toby Hooper, but I still think it's better <laughs> than that one. Uh, unlike the next movie we covered, oh, yeah, the no, the next two movies are just kind of oh, god, yeah, we I might as well just talk about them. We'll just like go through them really quick. Mercenary Fighters from 1980 and The Fourth War from 1990. Might as well just say them all at the same time because they're basically the same sort of thing. No, they're not. But Mercenary Fighters has... They're both war movies that don't work for their concept that they're trying to do. Yeah, in one of them you have... uh... Mercenary Fighters should have been a fun action movie. You even had the guy from Strike Commando um, and Space Mutiny is the main character. You could have done so much crazy stuff and it's just nothing. And it has a guy that we later find out from one of our later movies we watched this season that was in it. Like, we didn't recognize him who's actually the best part of that movie. Mm-hmm. The guy from Two to Death. Yeah, and the same goes for The Fourth War which even has Roy Scheider in it. It's like, okay, I can see That one's a Cold one. War epic. It's the end of the Cold War about two, one... two men who don't want to give it up. Uh, they'll give it up and just finish the war, but yeah, and they go it, back and forth, and like there's a lot of potential in the movie. And there's some interesting sequences, but as a whole, it just drags and it doesn't really go anywhere. Was it, was it a shoemaker release? Not shoemaker. A uh, in what? What's his name? He, he, the good guy. He's uh, the the one that does Ronin and did the, the, the challenge. Frankenheimer. Yeah, was this a Frankenheimer film? No, it might have been. It might have been he because he did. Um, he, he did um, what the 52 Pickup, which was a much yeah, better movie. Yeah, that's why I said I couldn't remember if this was a Frankenheimer movie or not. Yeah, it was a Frankenheimer movie. Yeah, this wasn't one of his better Such ones. Such a shame, yeah. 
No, as as a whole, like it's just like with mercenary fighters, it just it doesn't work, and I wouldn't recommend either of these movies to anybody. Oh God, yeah, I I and I own mercenary fighters, and yeah, it's not. No. Oh God, I hate that movie. <laughs> Uh, it has the stupid ending of like, yeah, no, uh, why are you you making me the leader? I'm the one that killed your leader. Yeah. The, it, we don't understand this thing you're saying, save, white savior. It's just, uh, you're our leader now. It just doesn't work. Same thing with the fourth war. They're just, they're obvious things that could have worked. They just didn't. And it might have been because they came along so late in canon's life cycle where they were just like, let's just throw that out there. Like the fourth war should have been a perfectly fine dad movie. Should have been. Like, like that, that. Tom Clancy-esque type of, like, espionage thing where it's just two old soldiers who can't give it up even though it's over. It could have been. It's and just... it didn't even... Or it could have just been the complete opposite. It could have just been the two old soldiers who can't give it up so they start conducting a prank war. Like, it could have been a comedy. It could have been a straight-up farce. But no, it, we get this kind of slog of a It could have done a, a lot with it. They just didn't do a whole lot with it. And Instead, you get a fist fight on the border on a lake at the end, and them both kind of going, why are we even bothering? We're yeah. going to set off the fourth war. And it's a reference to yeah, uh, yeah. something that was said by by Einstein, that the the, yeah. the, the the last war will be fought with sticks and stones. The, fourth war, the third war will be fought with nuclear weapons. Fourth war will be fought with sticks and stones or something, yeah. Yeah, and that's all we're going to talk about on this We're going to take a little break. Uh, we're going to get up and stretch, have a drink. Mm-hmm. And then we'll return next week with the back half, the back 26 of this season. Mm-hmm. How ridiculous is this? We just talked about 25 movies, and we still have 26 more to go. Yeah, we're not done yet, everybody. But we are done with this episode. So we'll see you next time when we continue our cruise through this canon catalog. Goodbye. Goodbye, and see you again. The ride never ends. <laughs>